delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, welcome to episode 482 of The Two Techies for Saturday, October 5th, 2019. This is the week's most little tech stories in around an hour or less in podcast form. Has been for nearly the past 10 years. Nearly. On this week's episode, Apple's next items to focus on, including the new AirPods and the next baseline iPhone. And the right to repair a very controversial area is to become common practice in the next few years. Welcome to what is the 482nd episode of the show uh, in the last nine years and nine months, we'll say. Nine years, nine months, nearly ten years. Getting there, we'll keep talking about it because that's a decade. And that's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? In fact, it's very hard to believe. Ten years, Aaron. It is crazy. It is. is. When, you, uh, when you hear people who are doing podcasts, and I know it became the, kind of the, uh, I don't want to say the cool thing to do, but it became very, I don't know, lots of people started doing it, um, which is great. I think we were by no means one of the first or one of the early ones, of course. Podcasting has been around for a good long while before us and probably will after. But it's it's interesting to see when I, when I see other people hitting like two, three five year anniversaries and it's like wow we've been doing this for a little while now yeah and we have been nearly 10 years 10 years in technology is a lifetime an eternity and you may look at it and you may think "Mm, not really but if you actually go back 10 years and think about what we were using 10 years ago you might actually realize that 20 years i think there was exponential growth between 20 to 20 years to 10 years so 20 years from now i.e 1999 to 2009 the changes were phenomenal i would say there was more change between 99 and 2000 well visible change more visible change rather than things in the background and i guess 2009 to 2019 has been yes visible change but also a lot in the background as well in terms of development technology uh technology processes technology uh, the actual technology itself behind that runs and powers the, the technology we use is technology in technology there's a bit of a juxtaposition it's a uh, an irony really i mean it took Talking about the, the history of tech over that time, you've just got to look at it. We are three days or when we started, sorry, we, we were three or four days removed from the original iPad being announced. Um, that's kind of how we always gauge our our birthday is, is pretty much right around the same time as the original iPad event. And you just look at how much something like that has changed over 10 years. Um, if we were three or four days earlier, we could say that thing didn't exist yet. Um, we were only three years into the iPhone or I guess smartphone smartphones in general you know android was what two years old the app store was two years old there's, there's lots of things where 2009 slash 2010 really doesn't actually sound that long ago and in reality it isn't that long ago but as you say in terms of technology it, it, it's it's crazy how far i mean we've always talked about it it's crazy how far two years or two weeks can even be let alone something like uh, uh, uh 10 years and speaking of by the way i'm not sure how this is related but my uh my apple watch is well my original apple 
Apple Watch is four years old, five years old, 2015, I think. Um, and I replaced it a couple years ago with the Series 3, or a year or two ago with the Series 3. Um, but I've still been using the Series 0 for sleep tracking, which is all it's about useful for, because that might be the slowest piece of tech I've used in the past 10 years. But um, about, I think, 12 months ago, sometime last year or maybe the year before, uh, bearing in mind I wear it every, every night, I woke up and when I went to take the watch off, basically the heart rate monitor kind of half stayed attached to me. It was like, oh, that's not meant to happen. Um, so I super glued that reading. back in. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 I'm not done yet. Um, so I super glued that back in. So I've been, I've been wearing a, uh, I didn't do a very good job of super gluing it. It turns out with the heart rate monitor and you can imagine for a device this blooming small. Uh, I don't know if it's changed on newer ones, but on the Series 0, there's two tiny little tabs of metal that this heart rate monitor basically glues onto. Like, the entire surface area must only be two, three millimeters square across the entire gluing. Like, no wonder it came, no, no wonder it came off after a while. Yeah. Um, so, it's on a tiny bit skew-if, but it was the best I could do. Um, now, it's been a known problem that Series zeros. I don't know if all Apple Watches have this or if this is just limited to the Series 0 but it's been a known problem for a few years that the screen decides that it wants to join in the party and uh, exit the building. Um, normally down to the battery inside which is right behind the screen it starts to swell which is I don't want to say a relatively normal thing for, for batteries but it is it does happen. You see it in laptops uh, and the like a lot. Um, but I woke up this morning and this screen was wrapping around on me, um, which is a very odd thing to wake up to. It's like you've got a maraca on your hand or something. Um, still works. Still absolutely fine. I assume it's still charged if I'm brave enough to put it on the charger. Um, but I thought, oh, it must have just come unglued. I'll just pop the uh, pop screen back on with some super glue and we'll, we'll get another few years out of this. Well, I went to put it back on and it's got a little rocking motion to it, which means things are getting worse, which means I should probably put it down. But um, yeah, I've got a nice little, uh, little Apple Watch that's decide to uh it's, it's shedding its parts we'll say i can see inside now it's pretty pretty funky inside actually but yeah with a very swollen battery <laughs> so you're what estimating another few years of usage out of it or well as there's probably nothing i can do because the battery is actually swollen meaning the screen won't stick back down again because it's rocking back and forth mm. on the battery and i feel like that's probably not a great thing to, to have on your wrist at night every night i uh, feel it's probably time not, to go no, and probably not to go and look at some series one and two on eBay. Think of it as a feature rather than a flaw. Exactly. That's, that's the way I looked at the heart rate monitor. As you say, it was it was so determined to get that reading that it just couldn't come away with the watch. <laughs> yeah, had to stay. This week, Apple have stolen the limelight a little bit. Um, just in fact, some rumors coming up of what their next plans or next focuses are for future products. Nothing overly exciting, but uh, shows their direction, shows their intentions for the next year or two. And then the right to repair, which has been very controversial for the last few years in terms of does it void your warranty? Is it is it the right thing to do? Economically, it's correct, but doesn't it companies innovate because it doesn't line their pockets? So will that sort of slow product releases down or will it cause problems? There's so many arguments for and against. Um, and there are rules, supposedly, around the standards. And there are rules that are changing around the standards. So we'll talk about that later on in the show. Before we do, however, we're going to go to the quick news. 
This week, Apple announced that Apple News Plus, its premium new subscription service, is now available in the UK for £9.99 a month and in Australia for $14.99 a month. It's the first expansion of the services since its March launch. Previously, it had only been available in the US and Canada. The service seems to be exactly the same as its US in the US and Canada. Sorry, while Apple does highlight major British publications such as The Times, 442 and Empire, and notable Australian publications such as The Australian, The Daily Telegraph and The Australian Geographic in its press materials. US and Canadian subscribers can already access those too. Peak time for being on the internet in Britain is 9 o'clock on Wednesdays, the Office for National Statistics suggests. By contrast, 4.45 in the morning on weekdays is the quietest time as well. The ONS has started analysing internet traffic volume for the first time using publicly available data from one of Britain's largest internet exchanges. However, it acknowledges the early results are not conclusive. The study made use of the data uh, from the London Internet Exchange, Links, which connects internet service providers and content delivery networks together. Well, October 1st has come and gone, and IKEA's feature, future, feature smart blinds are nowhere to be found in US stores. That's because they've been delayed. Again, according to an IKEA spokesperson speaking to The Verge, there's currently no revised date. We only know that they're coming, quote, later this year. Today's, the delay, sorry, is already obvious to anyone who's been feverishly refreshing the US listing, hoping their local IKEA suddenly shows in-store availability. The blinds are on sale elsewhere. And finally, three US hospitals have been forced to temporarily close their doors to all but the most critical new patients following a ransomware outbreak. A criminal is limiting our ability to use our computer systems in exchange for an as-yet-unknown payment, said DCH Health System. One cybersecurity expert said the grips using ransomware were becoming increasingly well-organized. Separately, seven hospitals in Australia have also reported disruptive ransomware infections. Apple News Plus, um, $9.99 a month in the UK, Australia, $14.99 a month, um, only available in the US and Canada previously. This is, I guess, uh, on initial inspection when it came out, I kind of thought, right, paying for news, paying for news. Nah, I'm all right. It's free. But then I guess you're not just paying for the news, you're paying for more than than that. So I can get it. I'm not going to pay it myself, but I, I understand it. And um, I'm, I'm sure it will be taken up in, in the UK and Australia as it has been, um, I, I guess, well enough in the US and Canada. This is all about, it's, it's all about paying for long form content, isn't it? As you say, we're very much used to a world where news is free, um, which I know is a semi-controversial topic, I imagine, among uh, some journalists um, or some people, I guess. But uh, yeah, as you say, Apple News Plus kind of highlights longer form content, um, stuff you traditionally pay for in store anyway, um, basically just making it available on a digital platform. I'm with you, $9.99 a month is, is kind of a bit steep for something. I'll probably never use. I don't even think I have the Apple News app on my phone at all, free or paid. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be uh, saving those pennies per month 
and putting them towards uh, TV Plus when it comes out instead. Mm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the bigger problem here is it came out in March and obviously came out in the US and Canada. Only something that the US, uh, sorry, the, something that Apple are very well known for doing. Um, the fact that Canada got it is is, is probably a bit of an outlier as well. Um, Apple are very well known for, they'll hype you up in an event. It'll be a really exciting thing. And right at the end, they'll go, only available in the US and the rest of the world will collectively sigh um, because when Apple say only available in the US coming to other countries soon what they actually mean is it will only be available in the US for the foreseeable future don't get your hopes or prayers up for this arriving in your country anytime in the next 12 to 24 to 36 months um, it's been very rare that services have launched worldwide all the time um, often down to licensing so services like TV Plus um, Apple Arcade, they're all launching in, I think, hundreds of countries purely because if Apple own all the rights to it, then it's dead easy for them to go, oh, it's available everywhere. But with news publications, you're obviously getting the rights um, based in different countries. And I, we've got to appreciate that it does take a little while. Um, feels like something you'd want to launch with, though. Um, launching with just the US and Canada really kind of hoses down people's interest in this stuff. Um, Apple Music did a good job at launching a multi-country trees. Apple Pay was one of the other ones. Um, Obviously, I think us in the UK, we were very, very lucky to get Apple Pay pretty much right at the beginning and it's still rolling out several years later across countries. Appreciate that, obviously, that on a a country-by-country basis does take a while, but I think Apple have got to... If you want this stuff to be picked up and to be adopted better, then they've got to do a better job at getting countries and and other companies on board a lot, lot earlier Mm. than they are. Or at least when they do launch, then, then picking it up a lot lot quicker because I think waiting 6, 12, sometimes even 24, 36 months between countries is is like a big way to kill uh, to kill any interest anyone else had in, had in this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Sort of the delayed release worldwide. And it's it's licensing as well. It comes down to that. But as you say, it's it's something they could definitely focus on rather than releasing and, and nitpicking where they're deciding to release it as time goes on. Yeah, it's, it's an annoying factor for people who want to get the service. That's certainly a way to lose, lose interest over time. Nine o'clock on Wednesdays. What's so special about that? Middle I was thinking. Week. I was thinking that when I was reading it, like, what happens at nine o'clock on Wednesdays? Hmm. Is there some TV phenomenon that neither me or you are familiar with? I don't know. And then four forty-five in the morning on weekdays is the quietest. It must be routinely at four forty-five on weekdays. Interesting. I don't know that what we get sense. from that. Well, we we can get quite a bit, I guess. But general consumers, I don't know what they're going to get from this. Uh, there, I won't. There I'm was... saying we are general. So advertising companies can get a lot. We as people can't. Such, I guess. There was, I didn't include them in the in the little quick news synopsis, but there was actually a couple of other interesting stats, which I'll just quickly read you. Uh, other insights included in that traffic. Uh, the traffic falls between 4 and 6 p.m. with its lowest point at 6 p.m. on weekdays when everyone's home for dinner. Uh, it's quietest between 2 a.m. and 7 a.m. As we've said, peaks at uh, 9 p.m. on weekdays, particularly midweek. Uh, generally quieter at weekends and bank holidays, which is a surprise. Uh, peaks at 1 o'clock or 1 p.m., sorry, during weekends and Saturday night is the lowest data flow. Um, one thing, I can't find it quickly in there, but one thing the article does go on 
to suggest that this data probably discounts uh, things like streaming just because that works a different way. You can't measure it in the same way they're measuring mm. this internet traffic. So imagine that the likes of Netflix and YouTube aren't included in this data set. I think it's still a pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting, I think. I, I love looking at this kind of data. Um, but it's, yeah, it's pretty fascinating to see kind of people's behavioral movements. Um, they've got a little graph showing data throughput, uh, which is kind of an average between 2011 and 2019. And it's based over 12 months. And it's actually kind of surprising. Well, that gets me to think about it probably less so. Uh, the January kind of, and then November, December, that kind of winter period uh, have the highest throughput, meaning people are using the most amount of data, whilst July is the bottom of that, um, has the least data throughput of any month through the year. And it is uh, from January to July, it's sloped down. And then from July to kind of November, December, it's a slope upward. Um, and that kind of correlates with the, the idea about quieter on weekends, quieter on bank holidays. I think when the weather is nice out or when we have a long weekend as a country, we do tend to uh, kind of put our phones down or, or put our computers down and uh, go and do something, um, which is interesting to see actually by numbers. Guess what you're saying about streaming not being taken into account here. There could actually be a little bit of opposite correlation in that when people are on their phone, no, I, I, we, we, we like to multitask as a, a population now. We never really seem to focus on one thing at one time and watching tv is probably the same because you're watching tv but you're not really because you're on your phone or your tablet or something else so maybe not but could you say that if you are sitting down watching something and streaming i.e at these times uh, you know the times that are supposedly quote quote quiet there could be that well the streaming is is happening at this time and people aren't on their phone you know so it's not definitely conclusive uh, but it does give you some sort of idea as to, I guess, when people are act active online. Just on that. Which I guess, it's again, not really overly important for a consumer, but advertisers, maybe. It's such a, just a new thing there. It, it's such a sad reality that as a general populace, people can't put their phones down for five seconds and concentrate on one thing at a time. Like it, mm. It's just so, I don't know. Why do we now have, or I guess we wonder why people have the attention span of a goldfish. And it's like, <laughs> hmm. I wonder why it seems to be kind of conditioned into our brain with the way we use We're conditioning phones. Ourselves. It's like if, you, if you're watching yeah. TV, goddamn, put the phone down. It's not that difficult. <laughs> Uh, maybe <laughs> I'm just is. a cynical That's the thing. Old man it is now. for people, and even know. at that, when when you're on your phone, you're you're not really doing anything specific. You're going from one thing to exactly. another, to another app to another app, and it could actually be you could put it down the technology in a way because there's so many apps to keep on top of, so many things to look at: emails, Facebook, Twitter, Google, um, Instagram, Snapchat, X, Y, Z, MySpace. But that's the people, thing, isn't it? Know, it's not even above. It's not even like there's an aim in in checking the phone. Okay, okay, fair enough. If you're you know watching TV and you, you're using your phone or tablet and you're replying to an email or something. And I, you know, I'd class that as productive work or I'd class that as actually having a, a purpose for using it. But when we're picking up our phones and we're, as you say, we're, OK, let's scroll up three tweets on Twitter. Now let's uh, open the, the worst app in the world. I'm sorry, I mean Facebook um, and scroll down a bit. And oh, let's jump across the Reddit and oh, let's jump across the messages and jump across the email. And like, you're right, we just pick up our phone without actually having an idea about what we're going to do on it. We just pick up the phone and then figure it out later. Um, and I think it's scary when you look at, if you go into iOS screen time, I assume Android does the same thing, but if you if you go into the screen time stat, you can see the number of times that you pick up your phone and it is absolutely 
absolutely scary. Um, I think it even classes, you know, you just pick it up, kind of glance at the lock screen and whatnot. Like that gets ridiculous after a while. The amount of times I found myself that, I don't know, I'll just turn the phone screen on and I can't exactly explain why I just did that. Mm, you um, did. Or you'll, you'll unlock it, you'll swipe through your pages of apps and then lock it again. It's <laughs> like, what are we doing? That was productive. Exactly. I didn't, didn't even open an app. Come on, at least make use of it. At least look at some cat pictures or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, IKEA smart blinds in the US. Uh, there's not really a lot to say on that. I guess that's a matter of your own heart, Aaron, with the smart home, trying to get that sort of exactly lazy approach. To the, considering that l- what we were just saying, based on the fact that the US get everything first, the fact that I have the smart blinds here loses. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, so many people are worried. So many people. You've just you've annoyed. Mm. Uh, an entire population, 350 you know million what? plus. It's generally nice to get something before they do. Um, we live in a world where, apart from a few things, like I think we tend to get films first, but things like Spotify as well. Other than that, the US get everything first. Fairly, or you know, because they're a massive market and it would make sense for companies to, to concentrate on them first. But it it is finally nice to have something in the world we can go, oh, how, how are your smartphone lines? Oh, oh, you haven't got them yet. Sucks to be you. <laughs> Although, uh, I'll tell you what, when you do get them in the US, just be prepared for like five hours of frustration. They're great when you get them set up. Just that initial 24 hours of trying to set them up is, uh, it'll test your blood pressure. Put it like that. Mm. So I said 350 million. It's more like 330 or just to, just under 330 million. Still a huge population there. Um, and then speaking of the US, three hospitals, which out of the number of hospitals in the US is not a very big number by any means, but the fact that any hospital at all had to shut down because of a ransomware attack is just, yeah, un- undescribable and shocking. And whether or not it was targeted doesn't matter. The fact it's happened, it has happened. Limiting their ability to use a computer system to potentially save someone Someone's life, or to aid saving someone's life, I, I, th- can can you get any lower? Can I mean, can it get any lower than that? I think what you have to remember is criminals don't exactly have a moral compass. Mm, um, and unfortunately, targeting it a ho- yeah, targeting words this morning, targeting a hospital uh, to basically extort them for money is probably one of their best bets to actually get that money. Um, as you say, a hospital needs these systems to help potentially save lives and whatnot not. Unfortunately, if they uh, try and extort them, then they are the ones that probably can't afford not to pay this. Um, We saw something similar happen, what, three, four years ago with the NHS over here? Kind of hit it more widespread than just three or four hospitals when it it did over here. Um, Doesn't help that often hospitals don't exactly use the latest and greatest in technology, Um, but this probably had less to do with that and more to do with... We're just seeing an increase in ransomware nowadays. Mm. Um... I think the the weird thing is, this might be related, might not be related, is we often... Do you remember a few years ago when you used to recommend... to, to, to family members, to older family members or to grandparents or, or, or whatever, you'd really have to sit down and go through what you should and shouldn't do on the internet. Not every piece of email that comes into your inbox is a nice piece of email. Um, not every button should be clicked, um, that type of thing. And just purely because I think when you have a little bit of, uh, when you've grown up in this world like we have, your brain just is very able to very quickly filter out 
out this 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 rubbish um, to get to the good stuff. And you can, within half a second of reading a uh, email subject line, you can your brain determines uh, spam or not spam. But for the for those people who haven't grown up with the internet or aren't necessarily as familiar with the ins and outs, and maybe a little blissfully ignorant to uh, some of the goings on, we'll say, or were potentially, um, we had to do a lot of don't do this, don't do that, don't download random things, you'll get viruses. Make sure your antivirus is up to date. This, that, and the other. Don't get any ransomware. Um, but nowadays, with the advent of things like Chromebooks and the fact that we're recommending iPads and things, it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out over the next few years. Obviously, we're pretty sure, or we're kind of assuming that Chromebooks and uh, iPads and iPhones don't get viruses, don't get ransomware. Um, like it's actually quite nice to be able to go just buy an iPad. It does everything you want. It's easy to use. You don't have to worry about keeping your virus protection up to date and you don't have to worry about this that and the other um i wonder if there's going to be a time when i guess general populous computers reach that point where not necessarily saying that they are ipads or they are like ipads but where we basically fix the uh the the, the virus and, and ransomware and security problems hmm. such a big issue though that saying fix it oh yeah I know what you mean, but you know it's it's one 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 step forward two back essentially because of the further developments with that, that ransomware. But yeah, it's a big issue. It's one needs targeted. Um, right, Just so the iPhone SE 2. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was, I was going to talk about something completely different, which I will leave till next week. You sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, no, that's fine. The iPhone SE 2, right, Um, a device which we weren't sure what was going to happen with it. We weren't sure if it's going to continue. Apparently it is. It comes from uh, news from... Ming-Chi Ku, an Apple analyst with a reliable track record, a pretty reliable track record, recently stated that Apple will purportedly launch the phone in early 2020. The previous rumors had been scattered, the release window, other details regarding its supposed design, etc. It corroborates a recent report that echoes similar information. What they're saying is it will look like an iPhone 8 will be as fast as the iPhone 11. And again, this follows my head as fragmentation of Apple's product line, which I don't like because there's, well... (laughs) So they're making a base model, but it's not keeping up with the other phones. But then they're making a base model of the other phone, and then they're making a, a pro version of it. And I, I don't know. It just seems messy. Still, is that just me? I don't disagree. Um, but I think on the flip side, I think the SE kind of has a special place in the lineup. The SE was a wildly popular phone because I think as Apple learned, and we'll get onto this in a second, people actually, or a lot of people, don't want a phone that is the size of an iPhone eight, and especially not the something that's the size of a of an 11 or 11 uh, pro max plus thing um so the se was a wildly popular device i think apple kind of i think when they sold the se the se had two major things going for it it was a cheaper phone and it was also a compact phone it was still the iphone 5 5s design in there and i think what we took away from that, and I think what the people who bought that took away from that, was not the fact that it's a cheaper phone, the fact that it's a smaller phone. The cheaper phone was a nice thing, but I don't think that's necessarily why a lot of people bought it. Um, most people you speak to bought it because they wanted a smaller phone, I think kind of on a little bit of a price be damned. I think what Apple took away from that was almost the complete opposite. I think Apple took away, or what they, they thought they learned from that was that people want a cheaper phone, not necessarily a smaller phone. 
iPhone. Because mm. we're hearing here that the iPhone SE is going to be in an iPhone 8 body, which for a lot of people who bought the iPhone SE, the iPhone 8 is still too big. It is a pretty big phone when you compare it to some of the older phones, don't forget. Uh, I, I guess the likes of us have got very used to that size. Um, but there's there's definitely no uh, no denying when I put my iPhone 6 next to my iPhone 5, it's, it's quite a drastic difference in size, let alone one of the Plus or Max or Pro this models, whatever it's called. Um, and just to get onto the fragmentation thing, it's tricky. Apple in reality only have two models of iPhone at the moment. I, I don't really class the the Mac, uh, the no, the Pro and the Pro Max as two kind of like different lineups. They're just like it's just a bigger version of. Um, although I guess we did use the class as different, so maybe we should. But I think Apple are in a tricky position. The iPhone 11, which is currently the base model, I guess you'd say, is selling extremely well. Well, obviously we don't know numbers compared to the iPhone 11 Pro, but just based on what we're hearing from kind of, you know, the murmurings, um, they both get very good reviews. And I think just because the iPhone 11 is cheaper, it will naturally be the one to sell well. Um, the cynical side of me said Apple have had this SE ready for a while, but didn't want to release it at the same time and cannibalize iPhone 11 Pro sales. Um, because I guess as you're alluding to, if you have three different price ranges, it becomes very, it becomes even more difficult to justify that top end uh, price. Whereas currently they only have two price ranges. So it's very easy to go. This is the bottom. This is the top where now you have to justify if you have, if you introduce the third one, you have to introduce that highest one, um, which, uh, which can, or justify, sorry, which can get a little more difficult. The non-cynical side of me says the SE hasn't been updated because it is difficult to update. And we all know Apple, when something gets difficult, they just don't update it. See the Mac Pro. Um, the iPhone SE being an iPhone 5 size is a very compact size inside. Um, the hardware obviously improving massively uh, these days, but can come at the expense of battery life. And if you can't fit a battery to match in a case like that, and unfortunately battery technology has not improved to the point where they can uh, make magic out of things that size, then I can probably see why it's taken them a little while. Maybe the likes of 3D Touch as well. We know, well, we assume that 3D Touch hardware has been very difficult to fit to smaller devices just due to the size that it takes up. Whereas now they've got rid of 3D Touch. So maybe that's why the SE is starting to make a comeback. Obviously, the iPhone 8 form factor has had both of those, re i.e. recent hardware, decent battery and 3D Touch. So I'm clutching at straws slightly. Thing is, the release cycle of this just seems off. No, is that just me? What do you mean? In what way? Well, just uh, right. So th they might release it next year with the new iPhones, but then again, they haven't released an SE model for a while, well, and then I just its spec just doesn't. It seems to be a bit over the place. I know it's only the two, so there's no consistent pattern here. But still, at the same time, I, I'd forgotten all about it. I'm pretty sure, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure this will be the third SE. I'm pretty sure the SE already had an update, it, like it did the uh, 2015 to 2016 or something, or 2016 to 17. I'm fairly certain there was a second one. Um, what you have to remember is just just to clarify one of your points is they're not talking about releasing this with the next batch of iPhones. This is talking about being released within the next uh, kind of six months. Uh, so an early 2020 device which is very unusual for an Apple uh, phone time frame. Um, so I think it will be off cycle with the other ones. And, and like, I, like I was talking about a minute ago, it may be down to the fact that they don't want to have to justify three price ranges at the same time. So if you introduce the cheaper ones six months after the other two, then you get all the initial sales out of the way. 
and then you can get the uh, the kind of holders on, the ones that don't want to let go of their iPhone or it's too expensive or it's too big or whatever. You can uh, please those, but but six months later, hold out as long as possible. Try and get those uh, those big sales numbers in while everyone goes, oh, okay then, I'll buy the bigger one. Um, so yeah, that's the cynical side of me. Like I say, the other side of me goes, it might have just been hardware difficulties. Mm. Obviously, the nice thing about the SE was the fact that it was $400. You know, that's... I'm not a, I'm not whilst talking about form factor versus price I'm not entirely ruling out the fact that the the, the price was a thing that people cared about $400 for an iPhone is is immense um Apple have always I guess recently been touting the fact that you can just buy the previous generation iPhone from them for a discounted price but I don't think anything's got near that uh that uh, that $400 price mark so that would be nice to see again in saying that it's boasting decent enough specs. Well, it should be the iPhone 11, which is a rapid phone in the body of an iPhone 8, um, which is essentially what the SE was. The SE was the body of the hardware of the 6 or 6S, mm. or maybe even 7, but in the body of a 5S. Um, so it was kind of that design you were familiar with, but hardware that was was, was much, much newer and much, much quicker. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. There must be a market. They wouldn't create if there wasn't. And I guess, again, we're, we're sort of tunnel-visioned in what what we see in our local areas this device is a global product which does appeal to other markets as well especially developing markets that don't have um as abundant of an access to technology as in in day-to-day activity so they're doing it for a reason they're obviously making money out and if they weren't they wouldn't be making it i guess and i guess it also coincides with the lower price point which google have struck quite recently you know this this new lower price for for products but i think apple would be hesitant to do that across the board they well, they would i don't need to think that they definitely would speaking of new products their next version of airpods expected to have noise cancellation capabilities and the new ios 13.2 beta offers an early preview of what they will look like uh, the beta build contains a glimpse image of the upcoming airpods just a 2d gray and white icon but even that's enough to show that design changes are on the way they seem to have a traditional ear tip that extend out from the white stems to better fit in your ears. That's a change from the first two models, which rest in your ears and allow a lot of ambient noise to prevail. If Apple wants to offer noise cancellation, it'll have to move closer to a design that creates a seal with your ear and reduces the loudness of sounds around you more. And more companies obviously building this technology into their wireless earbuds to set them apart from the first couple of waves of the product category. So it'll be the first time there's been a redesign of, des- or sorry, redesign of the product, um, or at least a fundamental redesign. They are rumored for well there's no exact date but I mean I would say in the next year we'll see these right uh yeah I mean don't forget that it has been a bit of a tradition that there might be some kind of event in October um Apple are not unknown to have October events it used to be the iPad event um and in recent years has been the iPad event but it could well be an AirPods or Mac Pro or MacBook Pro whatever event um so don't rule one out coming up later this month which would be interesting. The fact that the icon has appeared in a point release of iOS 13, I think, tends to indicate that if this does happen, it is a lot sooner than we probably expect. Um, if this was if this was a next year thing, then this wouldn't be an iOS 13.2. Um, I think that's the probably the slight giveaway on uh, on timelines. Um, I'm actually quite excited for something like this to happen. Uh, a lot of people, I think, really want the AirPods, but have been stuck by 
the fact that traditional earpods don't fit them or don't stay in their ears. So something that basically kind of wedges into your ear is 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 a lot more likely to stay in and and can appeal to I think the other half of the market that would potentially want AirPods, but you know just physically can't use them. Um, for noise isolation, yep. I picked up some uh, Beats X uh, recently, which they're a really nice set of headphones. They've still got the Apple W1 chip in, so they've still got the super easy pairing with iOS devices, which I love, and they charge via Lightning as well, uh, which kind of go hand in hand with my, my AirPods. I, I use them a lot uh, when we're working in the shed, so we've got power tools and whatnot, so instead of putting uh, ear defenders on, I can just put these on, and they do a, pretty much exactly the same job. Um, Obviously, if it gets extreme, I'll, I'll put here defenders over the top. But um, yeah, they, they do a really good job of isolating noise. I still haven't found the perfect ear tips for them. Sometimes they'll just keep trying to work their way out. Mm. Uh, work their way out. Work, work their way out. Sorry, um, which is always kind of annoying. So you always spend half your time trying to like pushing them back in. Um, I've never had the greatest luck with in-ear earphones. I, I do much prefer the the AirPods. Uh, I know yesterday when I went for my uh, when I went for my walk in the morning, I uh, I couldn't find my AirPods. Um, I thought I'd, well, I had lost them temporarily, uh, which I've done a few times before. Um, so I put my Beatex in and wait uh, went for my walk, and they are just hot. those things are just not great to use walking. I'll say they just um, if you're running or walking when you actually put your foot down like they make a weird noise and oh, just this you can't hear traffic around you there isn't enough noise coming in for them to make great outdoor exercise uh earphones um so glad i found my airpods at the bottom of my lunch bag which is uh just exactly where i should have thought they would be um but yeah i i'd be interested in in new airpods that were more noise isolating can't say i'm like a huge fan of in-ear earphones but i know a lot of people that would say the reverse um, like I say, earpods don't fit them, so so something that it goes actually in your ear would be a big big thing. Yeah, I mean, Apple put form over function on these ones and a lot mm. of people suffered for that. They weren't able to use them to the full extent and they find that they weren't quite as good as other contenders and maybe this is one well, Apple have to change the form now to avail the function that they want to in- induce in it, but also the fact that they they need to make them more, less Apple-like, i.e. being completely different for the sake of being completely different, but that's Apple. Hard to get them to change. Household appliances will become easier to repair thanks to new standards being adopted across the EU. From 2021, firms will have to make appliances longer lasting and they will have to supply spare parts for the machines for up to 10 years. The rules apply to lighting, washing machines, dishwashers and fridges. Campaigners for the right to repair say they don't go far enough as only professionals, not consumers, will be able to carry out the repairs. The legislation has been prompted by complaints from consumers across Europe and North America infuriated by machines that break down when they are just out of warranty. Owners are usually unable to repair machines themselves or find anyone else at a decent price, so are then forced to buy a replacement. And the idea here is planned obsolescence, you know, right? So the drum in that washing machine will go for, I don't know, I'm going to pick a figure, 2,000 spins, which should dictate normal usage over such a case of time. And then after the warranty, I'm sorry, it's gone, it's broke, motor burnt out, sorry. You know, and, and this is a thing. And people say, well, years ago, things lasted so much longer. Well, yeah, because more expensive components were used. They weren't as mass produced, I guess, more time went into making them in ways. But there is also an argument planned obsolescence is a thing. It isn't just in products in 2019 
opinion has been for the last xyz amount of years and it's something that's argued both in cost and uh environmental aspects as well because you know you have a product if you're throwing a product out every few years and you're replacing it with all new parts and you're chucking that machine and not everything's going to the the recycling center all of a sudden you've got a waste problem don't you and and that's not just the cost element we're talking waste and 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 being environmentally friendly for a start obviously this fuels global warming through the greenhouse gases created in the manufacturing process and also through the waste that we throw out and what can't be recycled you know certain products are made in ways that just cannot be reused through glues and um, melting processes um, you know there are a lot of things and a lot of products which just aren't friendly to the, the planet 20 states the, in the US have a right to repair legislation in progress manufacturers will have to make spurs such as door gaskets, thermostats etc available to professional repairers these parts will be accessible with commonly available tools and without damaging the product campaigners say individual consumers should also be allowed to buy spurs and mend their own machines but manufacturers says this would raise questions about risk and liability and I actually do agree with that in a way I'm not saying someone who is able to you know, someone who has the ability to, so a person who knows what they're doing, but saying, right, you need to make this product fixable by any layman. I don't think that's really part. That's like saying, right, go out and fix your car. If you don't know what you're doing, it's going to be a lot harder, isn't it? And, and okay, if you know what you're doing, Everyone fair enough, should learn you, know how doing, to. you should be able to access the parts, get them and repair it. But a general consumer just fixing any product, is a little bit far-fetched. I don't know. I think just on your car thing, by the way, no, I, we, do already, we do already kind of have that, don't forget. There are parts, you know, brakes and things that you can just go to the local local automotive store and pick up a new set of brake pads and replace yourself. And I think it should be, I think every product should be like that. Um, We've accepted it in in the smartphone world and in the laptop world now that we can't even replace things like batteries, which is slightly concerning. Um, The the, the timeliness of this article is incredible because this week our washing machine has decided that it wants to be the centre of attention and make as much noise as possible, which tends to indicate something like a bearing that is going. And we looked at prices and for new, because they're kind of all a, a sealed, the, the, the bearing is you can't just take the drum off and there's the bearing behind it because it's, it's all sealed now. I, we assumed ease manufacturing processes. Um, you have to buy the entire assembly and the entire assembly runs for about 150 pounds, I think, which is a lot of money or for the type of thing that you like the one thing that you just need to replace, you have to buy the whole thing for. But on the flip side, you can get a brand new same brand same make uh, washing machine for about 170 or 180 so you can buy this part for 150 and then have to like it's sod to replace or you can pay 20 or 30 pounds more and you can have an entire new washing machine and that you know that's a genuine decision we're trying to make and it goes hand in hand with the waste problem you're talking about because us as consumers we're just like well it's easier for us if we just replace it which it is but you end up with a whole washing machine sorry as i say you you end up with a whole washing machine that isn't like bust bust could be repaired that you now have to do something with um and unfortunately as you say there are lots of materials and things that cannot be recycled in this thing um so whilst we'd much rather repair it from the environment on the economic side it just kind of doesn't make sense and what you're doing there is you replace one element but because the rest of it is aged as is something else could go wrong you repair it and then you've all you've all of a sudden put more money into it than what what just buying a new machine which would refresh all parts would cost it defeats the point doesn't it It, and that's a manufacturing issue it's because manufacturers charge so much for these parts um and 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 put such a markup on them that this issue exists exists so the the legislation there's there's two things here the first thing is the right to repair you need to have the right to do it i it shouldn't void the warranty second part is you need to make these 
these parts cost-effective rather than charging extortionate amounts for them, which means that the consumer or a professional is put off repairing them altogether. I think that's one of the big things. I think that we're at the point today where even pros and like this is people's jobs, like even they can't or they're limited on what they can do with these things now. Um, as you know, as I kind of alluded to with the uh, with the the washing machine part, it's amazing how many things, whether it be phones in our pockets or our fridge freezers or whatever, have if you need to replace a tiny little piece you end up having to replace an entire assembly it's a similar story on a lot of cars now it's funny you need like i don't know you need to replace your suspension bushings or something well some people will determine that it's more cost effective to to uh, replace the entire suspension part with that on it's probably a bad example but you get what i'm saying um it's just i guess for like i said for ease of manufacturing or i guess for cost as well if they can if parts become one, if that makes sense, then it can be easier for them long term than having to make six separate parts that all kind of fit together. They can just make one sealed unit and call it a day. Mm. It's a tough decision, isn't it? Yeah. And one consumers have to face day in, day out with, with replacement products. The only way it's going to change is if con- manufacturers are forced. And I say forced because, you know, they're lining the pockets, they're not going to, to make this cheap unless they're forced to do so. So I'll have to ensure key parts of the product can be replaced by independent professionals um, new standards apply to ensure that the, the appliance actually have a longer life in the first place. Also includes rules including provisions to make the appliances more energy efficient. They say that th- this energy efficient thing could directly save 20 billion euros on energy bills per year in Europe from 2030 onwards. It's like the equivalent of 5% um, of EU electricity consumption. Now again, it only applies to certain amount or certain products at the minute, but this could go far, much more far, um, far ranging than, than washing machines and fridges and ovens and, and so on you know the white goods it could also go down to the technology goods in the long run technology the, the likes of laptops and computers and phones slightly more difficult because of the intricacy and also the manufacturing processes in place smartphone for example you know and, and the ipad you know the whole uh, environmental argument with the ipad of apple glue the screen to the product so you smash the screen it's uh, kind of unlucky same with the ios or the, the smartwatch as well um it's glued too so you smash it you've got a bit of a problem on your hands as well don't you i'm, I'm right in saying that correct uh well i can tell you for that it will just unglue itself eventually <laughs> fair enough yeah maybe that was too soon sorry i didn't mean to to, to put such a a raw uh, memory in your head apologies but yeah this is all good you know this is progress and and i think the legislation that sort of encompasses the manufacturers to do it it can only be a good thing that does it for episode 482 of the show thank you so much for joining us as always from anywhere in the world from the uk us germany australia hong kong anywhere in between um, all, all in the above. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you can listen to more episodes over at munchtech.tv. Our mobile app is munchtech.tv forward slash mobile. The ultimate guide to podcasting, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide. Our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. And of course, from 2012, still relevant though, our interview with Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple Computing Pioneer and Engineering Genius, munchtech.tv forward slash was. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Until next week, have a great, safe, and enjoyable week, and we'll see you on 483. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.